This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Where to begin? Where to begin? Well, since I was at the Garden last night calling Rangers wild, let's start there. And the good news, Rangers win. They win in a shootout. Only the second time this year they've been able to take a shootout and get the extra point. They come back from 2 nothing down after, I thought, being the better team in the first period. But Marc-Andre Fleury was great. Rangers hit a couple of posts. They fight back. The blue line continues to be impressive for the Rangers. They now have 104 points from a defenseman, which is second most in the NHL. Miller scores a gorgeous goal, poked ahead by B.C., and then Fox scores another. You're tied at two going to the third. Zuccarello scores, I just think, an awful goal by Shesterkin. Went right through his glove. I'm not sure if the if the glove screened his, his vision or he thought he had it. But then the Rangers down two forwards. And we'll get into that in a second. Get the Heedle goal off a goal mouth scramble. And they get the tie. They miss on an opportunity on the power play in overtime. But they end up winning in a shootout. Um, but now the bad, uh, Gauthier had to leave early in the game, and then they lose Kreider in the third period. So they had to come back in this game down two forwards, and they do it. So we'll find out about Kreider and Gauthier. Nothing as of yet. They were supposed to be evaluated today of this recording, which right now is at 12.15 Eastern time. No word. But the Kreider one looks pretty serious. He couldn't lift his arm when he left the ice. So with a game tomorrow against Dallas and then back-to-back games on Sunday, Monday, home against Montreal at Columbus, I I hate to speculate, but just looking at the injury, I'm not sure he's going to be around for the next three games. Two of them very winnable without him, uh, which is, I guess, important for the Rangers as far as the standings are concerned. We're going to find out what happens with Kreider. You may know already by the time you're listening to this podcast, but as of right now, we don't know. No Kreider on the ice. Uh, Gautier is out on the ice. And you so. just heard Anthony Gautier's on the ice for practice as of right now. No Kreider. So that's kind of how I lean towards it. So I doubt he'd be in the lineup tomorrow against Dallas. And then they get a break, as I mentioned, games Sunday and Monday, and then they'll play again until the following Thursday against Boston. So if I were a betting man, I'd say we probably wouldn't see Kreider until then, uh, if then, depending on the severity of this injury. So thank you, Anthony, for the update as we move forward here. Uh, with the game misconduct. The other negative, and it's something I wanted to get into, um, is the power play. Now, the Rangers went into last night's game against the Wild having scored six goals in the last four games on the power play. But overall, it just doesn't seem to be clicking the way you want it to. I think it's kind of gotten stale. We've seen the same five guys on that first unit all year with... uh, Trocek and Kreider and Zabanajad, Panarin and Fox. Now, with Kreider out, this could be an opportunity to kind of change things up. But a couple of observations, and Dave Maloney talked about this during the course of the broadcast. I'm not sure Trocek makes a lot of sense on that first power play. Now, I get it from a face-off standpoint. It's all about possession. He's very good at getting face-offs or winning face-offs. But I don't know if he's got the hands or the touch to be on the power play. You'd like to see Heedle in that spot. But now with Kreider out, uh, they're probably going to be forced to put maybe Kako on that first line. But I'd like to see Heedle. So this could be an opportunity to kind of change things up on that first power play unit. Getting Heedle in, um, but now everything kind of gets messed up with Kreider being out of there. But they're going to have to put another body in there. So you figure it's probably going to be Kako. But this could be maybe an opportunity to put Heedle and Kako on that first unit. Maybe move Trocek to the second unit because it does seem 
to be just a little bit stale. But the atmosphere was tremendous last night. Kind of a highlight where you see uh, <laughs> Ryan uh, Reynolds kissing Henrik Lundqvist on the cheek. That was something on the Jumbotron last night. But it was a lot of fun. The Wild have been kind of a thorn in the Rangers' side at Madison Square Garden. They came into that game 4-0-1 in their last five games at Madison Square Garden. And I didn't realize this until Dave told me. Because Dave did a Q&A with Henrik Lundqvist and Mike Richter. Uh, that when their numbers were both retired, it was both against the Wild as the visiting team, and the Rangers lost both games. I remember the Wild last year, last late January, when Henrik had his number retired. They lost 3-2 to the Wild. But way back when Mike Richter had his number retired, it was against the Wild, and they lost that game too. So maybe the next time a number's retired, I don't know when that's going to be. Make sure it's not the Wild on the schedule. Uh, but a good win for the Rangers, but we'll have to move forward with possibly um, without Kreider. Now, the Rangers could not gain any ground on the Devils, who had just an amazing win over the Carolina Hurricanes last night, 5-3. to three. And the Devils were down 3-1, to one, but they came back and won. So the last two wins for the Devils against the Rangers and the Hurricanes Two good teams. They had to come back from two goal deficits to win. Uh, The turning point for me in the game was the Mercer goal that came with less than a minute to go in the second period. Carolina is that close to being up 3-1 going to the third. Now, that didn't hurt the Ranger, the Devils against the Rangers on Saturday when the Devils were down 3-1 to the third, but it's kind of a different game. Boquist uh, then scores again late in the second period. So instead of a 3-1 lead, the Hurricanes are tied at three, and then the Devils got the last two goals of the game. Mercer midway through snaps the tie with his 10th, and Heashier into the empty net to win it uh, late for his 19th. Mercer's a really interesting player for the Devils. You can kind of move him around a little bit. He's kind of the forgotten player with the play of Hughes and Heashier, but he's a nice young player. Now has entered double digits, so... Devils, 55 points in second place. So Carolina, they've lost four in a row, 0-3-1. One of those losses was in a shootout uh, since their 11-game winning streak. So now they sit at 57 points in first place. Devils have 55. Both have 41 games played. The Rangers have one more game played at 42. They're at 53. So things tightening up at the top of the Metropolitan Division. Uh, Washington still hanging around at 52, but they played 43 games so they're playing better. Pittsburgh, they won last night against Vancouver in just a wild game. Um, they pick up the win. They've got 48 points, which is 40 games played. So they got two games in hand on the Rangers as they sit five points back. They've got a game in hand on the Devils in Carolina. But the team that I think is kind of interesting are the Islanders. They lost in a shootout last night at home against Dallas. Uh, didn't have the greatest Western swing through Canada they sit with 47 points. They're a point out of a playoff spot, so you don't want to panic. They're a plus 14, which is uh, which is good. But they played 42 games, so they're a point back at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has two games in hand. They sit uh, right now five points back at Washington. They've got a game in hand on Washington, but they're significantly back now of the Rangers, Devils, and Hurricanes. They're 10 points off the pace for first place. They're eight points back of the Devils. Devils have a game in hand. Same amount of games played as the Rangers, and the um, Rangers have a six-point lead. So the Islanders got to get things going here just a little bit. They're going to have Minnesota in their building coming up, and we know how good Minnesota can be. Buffalo's kind of squandering their chance here. We've talked so much about the games that they have at hand, only 39 games played, but they've dropped their last two. 
uh, losing to the Kraken last night. So they're stuck with 42 points. So they're still hot, seven of their last 10, but dropping two in a row. So they're six points off the pace of Pittsburgh with just a game in hand. So Buffalo is kind of in a little bit of trouble. Good win for Florida last night in Colorado. So they're 42 points, but they played 42 games. So I'm not sure Florida is going to be able to gain any traction. Out West, two teams that I'm kind of getting a little concerned about. I've been concerned about the Flames for a while. All right, They lose in overtime to the Blues, blow a lead to boot 3-1 in that one. Flames sit right now in the first wild card spot with 47 points, 42 games played. Edmonton, they're going to be in Anaheim coming up. They've got 45 points. They're just two points back, but they've got two more wins, but the same amount, but three more row wins. Um, so regulation wins, and they've got um, yeah three row wins as well. So Edmonton's got the tiebreaker, but I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about Colorado. You know, I've kind of said it right here on this podcast. Don't worry about it. The defending Stanley Cup champions, they'll figure it out. They've got games in hand, which they do. They've got three games in hand at Edmonton and Calgary. So, and they should be getting healthier. We'll see when Landis Scott comes back. Niskushkin was out of the lineup last night, but they're not getting the goaltending that they want to get. Not great last night from Georgiev. They have 43 points, so they're only two points off the pace with the three games in hand, but you know they've only won four of their last ten. You just wonder how much of this has to do, yes, injuries, no question, but this cup hangover, and when are they going to finally wake up? Uh, they've got, they're going to be in Chicago coming up, so you figure that's going to be a win, although the Blackhawks have won a couple of games in a row, so I still... I still think the Avalanche are going to be able to figure it out. But as we get now you know, deeper into the season, they're not at the halfway point yet, but they're getting close. Um, you know, lose to a, a struggling Florida team last night. Um, as I mentioned, uh, just four wins in their last um, 10, only points in five of those 10. Getting a little bit concerned about Colorado. And give credit to the Blues. All right, You're playing without Tarasenko. You're playing without O'Reilly. And they continue to kind of hang in there. They're tied in points in games played with the Blues. They've got the exact, uh, though, with the Oilers, they've got the exact same record. 21-18-3, which is astounding. Both how the Blues have been able to hang around and while Edmonton hasn't been able to get separation. Uh, but the big difference is Edmonton's a plus-four goal differential. The Blues are a minus-15. But as they start getting some players back, and, and don't look now, Nashville's now won four in a row, and Nashville has three games in hand on Edmonton, and they're only a point back. So Nashville is around. So Calgary, Edmonton, Colorado, let's get your act together, guys, okay? There's talent there. I know Calgary lost Huberto, and there's some changes that, that they had to go through after winning the division last year. You know, Edmonton, the loss of Evander Kane was probably bigger than I think a lot of people realized. But teams got to start getting their act together because it's just not happening right now uh, as far as um, moving up the standings. And, you know, Seattle, they went again last night against Buffalo. They've won six in a row. So they sit with 52 points. So, like, Calgary and Edmonton, you know, they don't want to be stuck with a wild card, right? I mean, they and, and have Vegas, the Los Angeles Kings, and the Seattle Kraken just disappear on them. 
All right. You know, the Kings, we still think they're Fugazi, right? Minus one goal differential. Well, they won two in a row, seven, two and one in their last 10. You begin to feel like, and they played 44 games, the most in the NHL. So that has a lot to do with where they are with their 54 points. But we keep waiting for the Kings to drop and they just continue to find ways to still hang around. So Calgary and Edmonton, great stories last year, played, you know, deep into the playoffs last season, meeting each other in the second round, Battle of Alberta and all that. And you look at the standings and they're both in the wild card and you think it's okay but things just don't look that okay to me as I look at that Pacific division and I look at teams like Calgary and Edmonton and I look at the Western Conference with Colorado because you look at the Central Division you know getting a first-hand look at Minnesota they're good you know Winnipeg they had a tough loss last night but they can score goals and they're going to eventually get Wheeler back and then Dallas who I'll get a chance to see coming up on Thursday they're in first place you're talking 56 for Dallas 53 for Winnipeg 48 for Minnesota so you know Calgary's only one back uh excuse me um you know Nashville and St. Louis they're not that far behind um uh, Minnesota but Winnipeg Dallas they're starting to look like those are going to be the top heavy teams in the central division so we'll see how it goes there but uh, it's been fun taking a look at the standings I talked to Jimmy Vc after the game last night and and I asked him about just how tight the Metropolitan Division is and do you think about that is it stressful every night knowing that you know you lose a point here or a point there it could really really cost you not just for home ice or, you know maybe even making the playoffs at the end of the day and he said they don't think about it they just focus on the game but he also admitted that it's it's tough not to understand where you are, where the standings are concerned, because every game just seems to be so vitally important. Well, the last couple of podcasts, I haven't had a chance to talk to you, so I want to talk to you now at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, as we take a look at the um, the tweets, and we start with David Hine, who says, it's been brought up before, but on the topic of comparing the surprising Stanley Cup runs of the 05-06 Oilers and the 2021 Canadiens, who would you say has been in worse shape, the follow-up Oilers team or the Habs? Well, the Oilers, i got to think about this. Was it 2018? Like They went like a significant amount of time not making the playoffs after that run in 06. They went a long time, like a decade, without making the playoffs. We'll see how long it'll be for, for Montreal. Uh, but right now, it, it, feels, it felt a lot like... You know, the Edmonton was on a miracle run, but I think everybody kind of recognized that Montreal was taking advantage of the situation that they were in, right? And that they really were not as good as a uh, team that could flirt with a Stanley Cup. So I'll say uh, I'll say Edmonton was worse because I thought maybe they would be able to move forward and be better. I don't think anybody really thought Montreal would be better. And then you throw in the Carey Price situation. He's hardly played since then. Um, Drew, remember, missed some time significantly. Everything that has happened uh, with their captain and, and, and that career coming to an end. And there's just been a lot of dysfunction with Montreal. I think they're finally moving in the right direction with Martin St. Louis. They've got some young players that you can kind of get excited about. They're very patient there in Montreal, as we talked about earlier in the week. But I still think the Edmonton was worse because I think more was expected of that team moving forward, losing in seven games to Carolina in 06. 
But this Montreal team, there's there's reasons for it. I don't think they were that good to g- take on Tampa to begin with. I think circumstances kind of dictated that whole thing with the pandemic. And I think in, a, in an even world, they were not going to make it. Toronto dropped the ball, blowing that series lead against them and opening the door for the Canadians to make the run. Again, you don't want to take anything away from what a team did in real time. But I think we all acknowledge that this was a Fugazi type of run. But the drop-off has been very distinctive. One of the worst teams last year on their way to doing it this year after a pretty good start. You know, they got off to a decent start, but the injuries started to pile up for them. Their goaltending has been atrocious. I thought uh, Jake Allen, I called that game last uh, Thursday at Montreal, and now, I think the Canadians had a chance to win that game. They just didn't get the goaltending, but it's a it's a pretty pretty good question. Uh, let's go uh, to Joe. I think he's got a couple here. He says, hey, Don LaGreca. All the laugh talk about bust, etc., is nuts. But perhaps part of the problem is Gallant is trying to win games. Hear me out. Yes, we want to win, but is this a case of putting aside development for the better chances of winning games? Did we go from rebuild to win now too fast? At the detriment of development of some guys, just the thought after debating with some friends. It's a great question. I actually had this conversation with Dave Maloney on Saturday because it's it's so comparable with the Devils with Heeshear and Hughes and how far along they've come and how they've become stars and compare it to Kako and Lafreniere, drafted around the same time, both in the same area. But two distinct differences. First of all, we're talking about Heeshear and Hughes are centers, and they were drafted by a bad team that had time to develop the players at the expense of winning games, and they were they could afford to be patient. Lafreniere and Kako were drafted while the Rangers felt like they were a competitive playoff team, and Shesterkin certainly elevated that with his play in goal and, and the way the young defensemen like, like Fox and Miller have matured so fast, and then obviously the acquisition of Panarin accelerated their rebuild. And now Lafreniere and Kako jumped into teams that were ready to win or try to win, and now the patience is out the window. You're now playing competitive games. And it worked last year. You went all the way to Game 6 of the Conference Final, and I think you got a pretty good team this year. So I, I think they've done the right thing because the team is good. But yes, it has come at the development of, of certainly Lafreniere. But a lot of it just is circumstances. It also could just be that, you know what, Lafreniere is just not on the same level as Kako, Hughes, and Heeshear. And it's starting to look like that. Even though he was the first overall pick, it was not in the heaviest of drafts. I guess the the, the, the one player that might come out of that that looks pretty good is uh, Stutzla. But, but otherwise... You know, it's not a dra- It's not the O three draft by any stretch of the imagination. He's a winger, and um, I-, I think he's coming along nicely. And you can. And I don't think he's hurting the team, but you could certainly make the case, Joe. I don't think you're wrong that you're probably in a place where maybe if the Rangers were on a, a-, a losing team, say they were Ottawa, maybe he would be a better player because they could afford to make certain sacrifices to make him grow. But I don't think any Ranger fan wants to see them sacrifice games now when they think they can compete for a Stanley Cup at the expense of making Lafreniere a better player. So it is, uh, I think, a very, very interesting conversation that you're having. I don't think you're wrong, but I also don't think that there's anybody in the Rangers organization that feels like, A, it's the it's the wrong thing to do, and B, that it doesn't mean that Lafreniere can't eventually figure it out to become a good player. I don't think Lafreniere is ever going to become the stamp coach they thought they drafted. 
And I don't think Lafreniere is ever going to be in the Heeshear, um, Hughes, or even the Kako conversation as far as talents. But it doesn't mean he can't be a contributor. And it doesn't mean that he can't help this team big time down the stretch. Adam says, hot take. Aside from Connor McDavid, is there a single player in the league right now that Jack Hughes isn't at least comparable, capable of being in the same tier as what he's doing as a 21-year-old is simply remarkable? Well, he's staying healthy. But I will tell you this, watching him live, and, and, I've, and I've been in the building for all three Devil Ranger games, and, and I watch a lot of the Devils on the side, too, as being in the metropolitan area. He is special. He's, he's not Connor McDavid, but he's got the ability to do things with the puck with speed. And the one thing that I'll judge, and I, listen, I'm no hockey expert in the sense that I can, I can scout games and do all that. But I just look as a, as, a, as a play-by-play announcer, as a fan of the game, uh, something happens when he grabs the puck. They, they, you Now at the edge of your seat, something special may happen because he can flat-out fly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to put Connor McDavid on a, on a certain tier and, and Dreisaitl on that certain tier and McKinnon on that certain tier, i got to tell you, if there's a second tier, clearly um, Hughes is on it. And you can get a feeling that he is right now maybe a rung away from jumping onto that top tier. Seriously. I mean, he's not uh, on a championship caliber team, although they're playing very well. Um, but, God, he is, I think he's a special player. And you're not wrong to have that kind of a take. I don't even think it's that hot of a take. Uh, Robin says, hey, Don, any standout pre-draft players from World Juniors beside um, – Bedard, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of it to be able to say that anybody kind of leaped out to me. I could probably save that for EJ when we talk to him on Monday. Um, you know, certainly, you know, Connor's going to be a, a special player, and that's why everybody's kind of crawling on top of each other for him to be the top pick. But, you know, coming out of that, um, again, I didn't watch a ton because a lot of it was in the afternoon. A lot of it was during the holidays. Most of it, all of it, if not all of it, was in the holidays and going up against games. Um, it was kind of surreal on Thursday being in Montreal while you had the, the Czech Republic-Canada gold medal game going on at the same time and how they were – they did a really cool thing. It was on in the building, meaning like in the press area that people had it on television – so I was able to keep an eye on it between periods. And what they would do in the building is they would show on the Jumbotron at the Bell Center, um, it would be one nothing Canada. And then and it's already 2 nothing, but they would put the, the one would become a two and the crowd would all cheer. They were certainly into it. But I'll try to get somebody on um, maybe as we get a little closer to the draft. I mean, um, Craig Button's a guy that we've had on the show before, and he certainly followed it tremendously um but uh i'll give you a little more information on that maybe monday when we have ej on i know he's definitely a, a part of those broadcasts um fee traflo says thoughts on why the devils are so much better on the road and why they seem to be better team if they give up the first goal <laughs> i gotta tell you this we had this we talked about this ej on monday Goals are way up. And when goals are up, that means no lead safe. And and then two-goal leads are getting blown everywhere. We talked about the Devils, two straight games coming back from two goals down. Rangers come back from two goals down after one. That never happened in years before. You almost shut the TV off and 
you know, uh, teams that score the first goal still win an overwhelming majority of the time, but it doesn't mean there's not a lot of back and forth and doesn't mean you can't, you know, get a point in overtime of the shootout after trailing or giving up the first goal. But the goals are up, and that's why it's happening. As as far as why one team plays better than the other, I, I don't know. They're 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 drawing very well at the Rock with the team playing well. I I can't tell you why they went eight straight games without a win before they beat uh, the Rangers on Saturday. I I wish I had an answer for you. I mean, I you, you talk to people, and nobody seems to know. You don't play any different. You wouldn't think style wise. You get the last change, which is supposed to be your advantage. Um, I I don't know. I really don't get it. Um, sometimes teams feel more comfortable on the road because they band together a little bit better. I'd have to take a look at the schedule. Is is who they've played have something to do with it? Have they played tougher teams in their building and then played uh, easier teams on the road? I mean, not off the top of my head. They just won a game in Carolina, one of the best teams in the NHL last night. Um, if you know the answer, or anybody can get any kind of questions or uh, to that answer to that question. Good luck, because I don't know. Brian says with Kane being hurt, who would be a better option as far as trades are concerned? I think that's what he's talking about. Um, I don't know. I was asked that earlier today on a podcast. Uh, Jack uh, Jake Brown's got his podcast. Check for it. I'll, I'll retweet it later today on my timeline to check that out. I got to really take the deep dive on who could be available for the Rangers. Um, and now with Kreider hurt, we'll see um, how that may um, accelerate Chris Drury trying to look around and see. You've got so many more teams that are involved, right? I mean, what are the Ducks going to do with some of the players? You know, they went out and got Vetrano. They got Strom. Are they going to make those players available since they're out of it? You know, Taves and Kane certainly are players that could be dealt by the Chicago Blackhawks. What are the Columbus Blue Jackets going to do? They're clearly out of it. Um, what you know? I don't know. When you you think that Winnipeg might be, you know, would would um, Dubois be available? But now Winnipeg's in second place. So you you look at the conference, or you look at the conferences. All right, Sharks. What are they going to do? What's Vancouver going to do? You know, they just gave J T. Miller a contract. They're going to trade him away. I mean, I would think some of the young players that they have are going to be unavailable. I have to really think about that. Maybe we'll have better answers when we get closer to the deadline. But really, the only teams that you'd say in the West, Vancouver, San Jose, Arizona, Anaheim, and Chicago. Uh, In the East, you're talking about right now, Ottawa, Philadelphia, Montreal, and Columbus. So... I don't know. Does anybody want Druin in in Montreal? I don't think anybody uh, is going to be falling over themselves to acquire him. Uh, Columbus, again, I'd have to really take a look at the roster. Philadelphia, they're always looking to to get rid of guys, but they've already gotten rid of most of their guys, right? I mean, I know is 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 Kevin Hayes someone that could become available? I know he was a healthy scratch a couple of weeks ago against the Rangers because Torts was just not happy with the way he was playing. Is Kevin Hayes somebody that could become available? It's a great, great question. Um, something to dive into and to think about. Probably a little too early to discuss here as we're not even midway through January. Still a couple of months away from the deadline, but not a ton of teams to talk about. Detroit and Florida, I still think, are going to try to stay alive in the playoff race, so I'm not going to count them. So we're only talking about a handful of teams that are probably sellers right now. That certainly can change over the next couple of weeks, and I think will change over the next couple of weeks. Mike says, Devils are in desperate need for a finisher and outside scoring should they be all in on a guy like Timo Meyer? Timo Meyer is a good example of, of somebody that could be available by San Jose. I'd love to see that happen. That could be 
uh, a possibility, uh, depending on um, what the Devils might be able to give up. They really haven't made any deals. They've got a lot of draft picks. They've got a lot of young players. Um, we'll see. They, they're going to need to do something, I would think. And when we talked to EJ Raddick a couple of weeks ago, he talked about how Jonathan Taves would be a perfect fit there, center, uh, experience. So if Chicago starts peeling off pieces, is John is Jonathan Taves somebody that can, uh, can do that? And let's close it out with JJ who says, Hey, Don, quick doppelganger for you. Um, and Michael. I'm going to ask Michael about this, I guess. The radio play-by-play guy for the Vikings, Paul Allen, for you. Okay, I, I, I think that everybody with a beard that's got gray in it is me. And very underrated actor, Jeff Daniels for Michael. Hmm. You know what? Off the top of my head, not bad. For the three hockey local teams, which of the three is more apt to make a move at the deadline? I'll tell you, the team that needs to make it are the Islanders. The team that's more apt to do it is probably the Rangers. And I think the Devils will be active as well. But Chris Drury, we saw the moves he made last year for Cobb and Vetrano. I think he'll probably do the same this year. All right, a lot of fun talking to you guys and getting caught back up on Twitter. Coming up on Friday, we will have the top five of the week. And we'll get you set up for another weekend of hockey as we'll try to sprinkle in some hockey around all the NFL playoff action. Uh, as a Giant fan, not the greatest that they're playing at 440, and I'm calling the Ranger-Canadian game at 5, but, you know, we'll make these things happen. Hey, the Rangers had, a, uh, the, the the Giants had a big playoff win in Green Bay back in 2011 while I was calling a, a Ranger-Canadian game up in Montreal. So maybe that's good luck that the Giants will win while the Rangers are playing. But uh, we'll talk to you again on Friday. Want to get in touch with me? The best way to do that, as always, is at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. We will talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of the podcast. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.